Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself and Paul and Lauren as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. And you guys, I know, just came back from World Youth Day. I just came back like a month ago. I know, whenever this actually gets released. Yeah, whenever, you know, 10 months ago. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know when right. we actually released this episode. But my summer, one of the highlights of my summer was uh, the blessing of Camp Veritas, mm. which you may be familiar with. It's this Catholic summer camp in upstate New York, which I absolutely love. And I see a lot of kids have really powerful transformations. You know, kids that never, sometimes you would never expect. And, and they come, uh, one of the highlights is where the priest takes the Eucharist and the monstrance and goes to each individual kid. And it's like 500 kids in there. So it takes a good two hours, but everyone's on their knees, singing, crying, you know, laughing. Just, I mean, every emotion just kind of comes out in that really powerful moment. And it's really beautiful to see some kids have these powerful encounters with God, but not everyone does. You know, sometimes they sit there and they, you know, they pray and they do their best to enter in. And it seems like, and, and they come up, to me, come up to me afterwards and say, you know, Father Joe, I don't, you know, I didn't experience anything. And like, how do you, I mean, it's just, it, for me, kind of like, it's sometimes hard to explain to them, okay, you don't have to experience anything for God to be real and for God to love you, right? But at the same time, there needs to be at some point in our life, I hope, a personal experience of God. Like, I know we can have personal relationships, but like a personal experience of like, I have felt God's personal love for me, not just like love for humanity in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you had that personal experience, like something that's very subjective, that's, you know, your personal experience of God's love? Many. Tell us about, tell us <laughs> about some of them. Yeah, yeah like you them. ask us questions in such a way that one word answer I, Yeah, apparently I need to. Well, I didn't know if Paul, you more want to answer too. 150 episodes. Have you, Paul? Yes. Okay, so we all have <laughs> okay. that. Next question. Everyone has. Um, Tell us a story of when you have. I would say I've felt God's presence in many different ways throughout my life. So he's always, I'll say, had a physical sense that I can pick up on, right? That I'm actually feeling him. Um, I know not everyone has that, but. D- does that mean like just in the Eucharist or like anytime? You just sense God's presence. Uh, well, when I was a kid, every time that I would pray, I have a particular sensation of like a pain in the middle of my head. I know that sounds weird, like a headache, but it's like it turns on when I start praying and it turns off when I stop. And that doesn't happen every with any other time. thought no. that comes to your head? it was every time, every single time. Really? As a kid. That's very, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I knew God was real. I could feel him. <laughs> and I could feel prayer. I still have that sensation now. It's not every time I pray, but it, it comes and goes. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I have shared that before. I mean, is it painful? Like actually like, yeah, ouch? it's a pain. Huh. But it, it's bearable, but it can also intensify. Like it, it can get stronger. Um, that makes me think of St. Rita of Kasha, who had, didn't have the stigmata, but had one thorn of Christ's thorn, uh, crown of thorns in her forehead. Interesting. And it was it was visible at times, you know, and bleed and everything. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But if, so as a kid, I felt very connected, but then I was afraid of God having a mission for me that I wouldn't be able to do or that people wouldn't accept. So that was a fear for a long time that I think um, I definitely carried into adulthood. And then once I got back more into my faith and getting closer to Christ, that fear came back like, oh... Maybe there really is something here that's going to be difficult, and do I want that, right? Because I'm being selfish instead of just mm. subjecting myself to God's will mm-hmm. and trusting in Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one way. But um, 
maybe more common way is when things work out and you know it's because God did it. So you mentioned World Youth Day. I was in Spain for two weeks and Portugal, obviously. That's where World Youth Day was. And our pilgrimage was, you know, an authentic, genuine pilgrimage of staying in a school, sleeping on the floor on a sleeping pad. We had cold showers that were communal in your bathing suit. Oh, my goodness. So not a comfortable experience, right? Um, Like the breakfast was really minimal, like a roll and a yogurt and a cereal bar and a piece of fruit. Um, and then going out, walking to start every single day, and then not uh, knowing when you're going to eat next, sometimes being hungry, right? And then there was one day where I took an extra cereal ball, bar, and I was like, oh, I'm not trusting, right? Mm. But I was really hungry the day before. And um, sometimes our dinners weren't until we got back to the school, and some days were very long, and the last part of the trek back to the school was uphill, up fl- four flights of steps. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was like... You've given everything you can give, right? And you still got to give more. Like, I got to get up this last bit of steps. And then we would eat dinner after that some days. So anyway, it was a total exhausting, tiring experience. I have a heel injury that I brought into it. So I was in pain off and on every day. I got sick, um, like pretty severely sick. I had a fever, sore throat, cough, lost my voice, turned into a runny nose. I have not been that sick for two years. Wow. Over two years. I don't get sick, but I, I got pretty sick. Um I was exhausted. I did not sleep in the field. I don't know how people did. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't sleep the next night either because that's when we came back from Lisbon and we got to the place where I stayed at 4 a.m. Oh my gosh. And at that point I had like a pounding headache. Like I was so done. And uh, one of the sisters said I could sleep on the couch. I was like, thank you. Because <sighs> I can't even roll out my sleeping pad right now. I'm just so done. Yeah. Um, so I slept five hours. And then I had breakfast with the family that lives in that house upstairs and the four children there who were absolutely adorable. And it was lovely. And they were speaking Spanish to me and I I was able to understand them. You know, we had a lot of fun, um, but just tiring. And then I got bumped off my flight. (laughs) So I did not fly home the day I was supposed to, which was Wednesday. And there was a little bit of stress there, but also trusting like, okay, God, you know, what's going to happen here? Like I had to wait for everybody to board and then they didn't even say anything to me. I'm like, you're not even going to tell me? Like, it seems like I'm not on this flight, but they didn't even say anything. They were talking to somebody else about it. And then we're like, oh, whatever he's telling him, like, you know, that applies to you too. I'm like, great. And then the 20 minute walk to find the desk, it's like, you got to go through all these steps to get to the right desk. And then there's a long line standing there for 45 minutes to be told, so you can come back here at, you know, 6 a.m. tomorrow to take a flight to go to Italy for a layover and then fly home. And I said, nope, I paid for a direct flight and that's what I'm going to take home. And I do not have the energy to even do a layover right now. Well, the next flight is Friday. Oh, gosh. Okay, so that meant two nights. And now I'm like, where am I going to stay? I was texting Father Israel and he's like, I can hook you up with someone in Spain. But I didn't want to do that. I want to sleep on someone's couch in an apartment. And I'm like, I'm going to go back to the house I was last night. The kids were adorable. I don't want to be with the kids all day though, you know, but it's like, okay, do it. And then they're like, we're going to give you a hotel. Oh, good. And cover all your meals and you get 600 euro. And uh, I was like, wow. And then my next fear was, oh, this is going to be a sketchy hotel. And I'm going to be uncomfortable now for two nights. But I got to the hotel and it was gorgeous. It was a really nice hotel. I went to my room and I looked at my bed and I, I thought, I cannot believe I'm sleeping in a bed tonight after two <laughs> weeks of this trip I actually have a bed and the meals were buffets like I streamed a tear at the dinner like I cannot believe <laughs> that I am getting this right now and you know I think for me it was God showing me that he will take care of me 
and provide for me and that I can trust him. Like I really can surrender my life to him in service because um, I want to be in control like everybody does, right? I want a job that makes a certain salary, but I accepted a job at a Catholic school, right? I'm submitting my will. That's where God wants me to be. It requires more trust, you know, in him. And um, he just really showed me that. I had a free day. It was lovely. I was feeling better that day. I got to spend two hours with my spiritual director in person, which was such a gift mm. to talk to her. I mean, she lives in Spain, so we don't get to do that often. Um, and... Um, yeah, I don't know. It, cool. just, it was clearly like from God. And yeah. if you understand, I think we all know it logically, right? Everything comes from God. Everything, He sustains all life. He sustains us. Every blessing, everything is from Him. So once you like really accept that and you can see Him in everything, um, you see His presence so much more. Yeah. So that's, so that's one way in which you kind of sense God's presence. It's kind of right, the, like through it, the ways in which He works in your life and the providence. Yeah, He's behind everything. And when He surprises you, right? Like, I didn't expect that to happen. It did. He really took care of me. And it was like so much more than what I could do for myself yeah. or what I would do for myself. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. So I, I had kind of a similar experience over the summer. I was uh, very blessed to lead a father-son backpacking trip up to the Adirondacks. And uh, this summer has been one of the rainiest summers I can remember. You know, like every two or three days, it's just pouring rain, I mean, which is great for the plants, but not great for backpacking, you know? So... Uh, the weather was not looking great, but you know, it's the only time we had to go. So we, we went up there and first first day was pretty rough backpacking. It wasn't it wasn't raining, but then we set up camp and we're planning on hiking the second tallest mountain in New York, which is fifty one hundred feet. You know, so it was a pretty significant hike. And uh, we wake up to two inches of rain. It's just pouring and pouring and pouring. And I'm kind of like, yeah, what are, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to not hike? Or, you know, what are, I mean, for, if you don't hike on a backpacking trip, you just sit in your tent all day. Because there's no place to hang out. There's no like pavilion or anything. You're just, you're either in the water, you know, or in your tent. And it's just, it's miserable. It's not fun. So, you know, we're kind of like debating back and forth. And, and I'm just kind of hearing in my heart, like, you need to, you need to take this hike. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't know how this is going to end up, you know, because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of a disaster. Like all these, all these fathers and sons have never backpacked before. And now they're coming on this trip. And now it's just becoming this like total, everyone's spirits were down in the dumps. So about noon, we're like, all right, you know what? Let's just, let's just do it. Let's just do it. So we go over to the trail and the trail was supposed to walk right past this river. And it, was, it really, it just follows a river straight up a mountain. And it was, it's a beautiful river, but because of the two inches of rain, the river had completely overflowed its banks and there was no trail, which meant that we had to walk in the river, which was great. And we're walking up waterfalls. It was one of the most exciting hikes I've ever done. I mean, it was, it was freezing cold pouring rain and this we're walking up these waterfalls with our packs on and it was like the, this wild experience and uh you know we get to the top we can't see a darn thing because we're in the cloud you know so we turn around and come right back down but at the end of the trip you know the next day we had a beautiful day hiked uh, mount marcy the biggest mountain in new york had a great view and everything but at the end of the trip you know i'm talking to the boys and like you know what was the highlight of the trip and all of them were like that crazy hike up the waterfall that was the best part of the entire trip and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because I thought that was, at the beginning of that day, I thought that was going to be the worst day of the whole trip. And all the boys said it was the best day because of doing something that you could never really do elsewhere, which is hike up a waterfall for two miles. And the practical answer would have been to not do the hike. Yeah. For the sake of everyone's safety, right? And I think that's how we are. Like, and we think we know, or we should do things a certain way. And then God will tell you, I want you to do it this way. And you're like, well, I'm not sure. But he shows you like the next step and then you just take it and then 
your expectations are blown. You yeah. have the best day, the best time of the whole trip, you know? That's very true. That's but very true. It requires true. trust. Yeah, absolutely. So, but here, here's my question for you. So going, kind of going back to the original point of like, you know, sensing God's presence, feeling God's presence, you know, what would you say to somebody that would go on like a retreat or something and come out of it and say, well, I didn't feel anything. I didn't experience anything. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think, well, going into a retreat, let's say, because a lot of people do have profound experiences on retreats. They're designed. Yeah, maybe maybe adoration, maybe, you know, even going going to Mass every Sunday, they're like, well, I've just never experienced God's love. Right. Um, So I would say telling people when they go into it, keep an open mind. Because I think a lot of people, um, when they go into a retreat for the first time, they're very apprehensive. Um, They're shy, well, at least I was. So they're shy and they don't know what to expect. And so there's a lot of timidness that might be there, but I think it takes, it almost takes a retreat to, um, to break out of that a bit. But for somebody going to a retreat for the first time, I would say just, just be open and just let things happen. Don't have expectations. Um, because I think a lot of people go in wanting this like great experience. They want to discover something. They want to find themselves, whatever it is, but it might be the simplest, the smaller things. Um, so I think that if you don't feel God's presence, you probably you probably did when you did have God's presence. Period. Full stop. Um, and it's working to figure out those little moments that you might even be missing that yeah. you did have it. Um, what about people that don't go on retreats? Like you know, because that's one of the things I struggle with as a priest. You know, I can tell people from the pulpit that God loves you till I'm blue in the face, but until you've actually experienced God's love, it's it doesn't make any sense to them. And that's something I struggle with. You know, like I'm trying to get my parishioners to help to see how God is moving in their life. And there's like, yeah, we have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. Because they've never experienced. They don't have, it almost takes a little bit of direction though, right? Because God is working in your life, whether you know it or not. So it's finding, it's praying into that such that you can discover it. Mm. And then it's revelatory and then it grows and then you grow in faith and you could take that next step like Lauren was saying. So yeah, yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, my, my biggest experience was, and I still don't exactly know how to explain it, but so my brother um, died by suicide nine years ago almost. And that was really hard. That was like, that was still my worst week of my life from mm. an emotional perspective. I was a wreck. Sure. But it was never, I was, it's a weird, I don't know how to explain this, but there was also a piece in it. Like there's one hand where I'm, I'm devastated. I've lost my brother, right? In such a terrible way. And so that's just sad in and of itself. Just your gut kind of core reaction is, sadness and, and hard, but I was never at a point where I was, which a lot of people might happen, like like being angry with God mm. or being upset or not knowing. I never had that. There was a peace in, there was some peace that came from it, which was very strange. And I'm like, that must be God's presence right there. Mm. Like, this is not, this is something he allowed to happen and he allowed this to happen in my life. So that's a gift to me. That's I true. I don't know that- how, I don't know, like, I don't know how yet. But there, and it was very hard. And it's almost, then, then there's, a, actually, there's a little bit of a guilt in that. It's like, why am I not, why am I not more angry? Mm. I'm sad. Like, there's, a, there's, a, there's like, it was terrible. I cried every day for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was terrible. Yeah. But there was also a piece in that. I don't know. It's very mm. hard to explain. But that, that, was, that was very m- remarkable. Yeah. Well, the piece is knowing that, that even in this tragedy, not only is God present, but he's going to bring good out of it. And... Somehow, Yeah. So that was hard. Um, and then it's been little times. I think retreats have been big. But then I got a little discouraged about retreats because I, I was almost part of, a, I helped 
planner retreat and it was like they're designed like they're almost there's an there's a there's an engineering of spiritual highs yeah i'm like ah oh, oh. which can turn into emotional manip- manipulation sometimes you know yeah and i've been on plenty of retreats where that was kind of the goal was to get the tears you know? yeah and, and, yeah I've and that's those. good i get i mean it's it's good in for what in so far as what it is but it's not necessarily growing in faith right i do i think good retreats though they do kind of break you down yeah and then rebuild you where you get that retreat high on sunday where you're crying on saturday night but then sunday comes it's sunday it's lord's day and it's fun and you know everyone's just like bouncing off walls and that's that's a lot of fun it is but the danger with that is two weeks later right when the retreat high wears off and the real world kind of hits and your your temptations come back and you know it's no longer fun to pray Right. You know, so how do you keep it going when that happens? And that's a tough thing. But but it's, you know, I think that's a necessary um, so, experience so, in spiritual so, life. So what I was saying before is like maybe you can pick up, maybe that one thing that you pick up from the retreat, maybe it's the, the, the one Our Father you say every morning that you picked up on that retreat. Maybe that's the one thing that you actually do mm. after those two weeks. Yeah. The two weeks have lapsed. Maybe that's that's it. That's that's the one thing you got. So the one, whatever change, whatever that's good change, positive yeah. change. Yeah. I mean, saying one Our Father a day is not particularly remarkable, but maybe it is for that person. Yeah, sure. Right. So that's God's presence. Sure. You got that. Okay. Run with it. Okay. Yeah. That's keeping grace even when the feelings wear off. Yeah. Correct. This part is hard for me. I've only been on retreat with one community, as you guys know, Ham, and so it's... Hermanos, amor misericordioso. Sí, muy bien. Um, <laughs> it's St. Ignatius Spirituality, which I think is um, a great spirituality. You know, it's about principle and foundation is God, right? And they, they build it. It's designed for four weeks. It's a whole month process that you do over a weekend. But it's I don't believe it's to create highs or create lows. It's to teach you how to live the spiritual life. Mm. And I remember on my first one... In one of the talks, they said, you know, God brought you here. Why are you here? You came all the way from America. I was the one American. Mm. And I was like, oh, I did. Why am I here? I didn't know why I was there. Hmm. I, I wasn't in search of something. I just, it was totally God that brought me there. Looking back on it, um, that was very clear. But I didn't go into it with some kind of intention. And then they taught me to be able to see God's will. Mm-hmm. Or to be open to it, to try to break down my walls. So I don't know about any of these other retreats or what people go to them for, but I think as Christians, you know, we're supposed to live to serve God. And His will is in everything. So at whatever point you are in your life, you're usually seeking an answer in something. Should I take this next job? Blah, blah, blah. My kids, family life, like whatever. There's always decisions to make and and things to figure out. And God is present in all of them. So you can get closer to him through a retreat experience. But I hope, you know, people are there to seek his will. They get some clarity, some answer, and then they're able to take that into their life and try to live that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's also no, that's... why spiritual direction is helpful. Because after the fact, then you have someone who's saying, who's able to say, go back to... For me, it's go back to exercises, right? Yeah. Don't let the world come in because the devil is always going to try to pull you away or shuffle up God's will, right? Make you do something else, even if it's good, but it's not God's will, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, you make a great point that that it's not so much about the experience, but about living the spiritual life. Yes. And, and you do that, that transformation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really more of an act of the will that, that we cooperate with God's invisible grace, not necessarily any feeling or experience of, of God that we have. And my thought for your parishioners, 
they don't feel God's love, I would say encourage them to do more works for God. Hmm. Whether that's pick up more penances. Like if you don't want to take out the trash, you feel like your husband should do it, just do it and offer it to God as a penance. Hmm. Right? Just take on more things throughout your day that you don't want to do and offer them up or do them for someone else or start a fast, fast more, pray the rosary more, um, go to adoration every week, like start to do more for God. And if there's some kind of block in their heart that's preventing him or preventing them from experiencing him, I think that will be softened. But we also know that whatever we do for God, he gives us back so much more. That's so true. Yeah. So and- don't just sit there in church like, where's God? Get up and go start working for him. Yeah. And I think I think when we're distracted, of course, we can't feel God's presence. When we're so satiated with the things of this world, we can't feel God's presence. Oh, totally. Presence. Are you watching, you know, whatever kind of TV every night? Cut that out. Right. How about that? Go for Step a walk one. in nature. Stop watching you know, TV. Watch something spiritual. Listen to something spiritual. Pray the rosary. Yeah. I mean, for me, music is a big way in which I actually physically sense God's presence. You know, for me, it's, I don't know if you get like the chills. Oh, I have my like moments. The, yeah, I'm brought like, to tears. Like, yeah, tears, song, chills, sometimes like a song. Just like one tear, and... I just, I'll have a moment. Something strikes me. Yeah. I, I, would, I mean, with music, I would say with the secular world, music is sometimes the only, the only thing that would be remotely close to the transcendent that yeah. you might ever have. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad, actually. It is kind of sad. It's sad, but it's true, <laughs> especially secular music. But yeah, yeah, I get it with some classical music and mm, sure, sure. Like I was yeah. listening to the Barber of Seville recently. I'll the Rosini. Take your word for that. <laughs> it's amazing opera and beautiful. It's, it's fun, but anyway, it's it's beautiful music, you know, and it, it it moves you and yeah, that's a transcendent experience. It's almost like a transcendent experience. Sure, sure, because it's bringing you outside of your body. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's tough with those parishioners. I think also there's a lot of there. There's also people don't people that are are formed enough to know how they should be living their lives, maybe running away from God, right? Mm. And so they're saying, I don't feel God's presence, but maybe they don't want to, hmm. right? Because it might mean that they have to make changes in their life that they don't want to make. Yeah, that and can be very true. That's very that can be very challenging. Yeah, you know, and. Um, I don't know how to address that. That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Repent. Yeah, exactly. But something you said, Lauren, brought up, brought back another memory from that backpacking trip. So um, I was very blessed with really some incredible young people um, and, and some incredible dads. And and one of the young people, we were heading down this mountain and just having a great conversation. And and he's about 14, and I, I know he has a really deep spirituality. He prays liturgy hours by himself, like at 14. Like that's that's pretty legit. Like mm. he's he's got a deep spirituality. And so I said... Hey, um, you know, you're you're so on fire with love for Christ. Like holiness is your goal. You want to be a priest. This is beautiful. You know, have you always been fervent? And he said to me, Well, have you ever heard of the dark night of the soul? <laughs> and I said, dude, you're 14. Like, <laughs> seriously, dark night of the soul. But he, he said, like, yeah, no, I don't I don't ever feel God's presence. I was like, really? Because I mean, it looking at it from the outside, everything that you do for God looks like you are constantly like in union with him. And he just said something I'll never forget. He said, Well, you just gotta fake it till you make it. Love it. <laughs> and I thought that's actually a really good um, kind of technique in the spiritual life, right? And he so, sounds so happy too. He was very, yeah, he was very, he's a very happy person. So many people are so resentful or grumpy. They don't feel God's presence. Yeah, no, he was, I mean, he's, I think, used to the fact that, that God hides himself. And, 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 and the closer you get to God, the less you need the fireworks. Totally. You know, he'll often give very subtle 
things. And yeah, it shows he has a deep faith. Yeah, because he's willing to act on it when he doesn't feel it. And that's mm-hmm. what faith really is. Mm-hmm. So why, why does God sometimes make it so hard, though, to experience his presence? Because it would be a lot easier if we go to Mass and just are always like overcome with tears and like, you know, love to be there. And why is it so hard? Why does God make it so hard? Well, he want, well, okay. I mean, I think to some, we, we, we had the fall, right? So there was the fall, which is, oh, happy fault. And so the fall allows us to experience God's mercy, mm-hmm. right? Without that, we don't, we wouldn't have a need for it. There wouldn't be a need for it. We'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, so therefore, we are we are almost designed to in because of the fall, we have this ability to also love back, right, and experience God's mercy in this great communication. So maybe for some people, some people don't necessarily have a pre- problem with God's presence, or they have less less problem. But for some of us, it takes a little bit more of that effort or or persistence, because that's that's going to help us hopefully love God more in the long term. But that almost makes it sound like we can accomplish it on our own. No, right? but it's only through God's grace. I mean, it comes back to... we. It sounds like if we try hard enough, then God will give us a sense of his presence, you know? No, but we should be persistent. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Right. I mean, if you, if you go to adoration every single, you know, every week, every day, whatever, eventually, I hope you would have an experience of God. Yeah, but you're showing faith regardless. Yeah, There's true, a faith there, true. right? And I, maybe that's what God's calling of you is to be faithful. Yeah, I mean, Mother Teresa did not feel God's presence for 35 years. Yeah, so, so. but she was faithful. Right. So right. maybe that's... Paradoxically, that was evidence of her holiness, not evidence against it. Correct. So that's that's what I'm getting at. Like hmm. it's... There's, there's, there's something efficacious in our persistence. And even though we don't feel God's presence... I mean, we don't, most of us don't have mystical experience. We're not mystics, you know. Are you a mystic? <laughs> I, not usually, no. Not usually, good. <laughs> Every now and then. Every now and again, right. So, we're, we, I mean, most of us aren't that. We don't buy locate. We don't have the stigmata. We don't have these, like, very physical things. Yeah. So, only we, occasionally. Right? But you could. What do you, how you do could, I let us yeah. know? Like, start to get closer to Christ, and who knows where that will lead. Well, I know he would never give it to me because I would, I would use it for my own pride. Look at me, I'm That's about locating, guys. I've heard <laughs> yeah. too that God sometimes will only lead people so far because it's he knows that's as much as they can take. Yeah. Right? To save their soul. Yeah. So everyone's that's different. True. But you know, as far as the not seeing him at mass or experiencing him, I mean, there are people who go from I went once a week to becoming daily mass goers, right? And they they yearn for receiving communion. So there is a change. There is a sense of God just from going to Mass. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's a, the disposition of your heart and opening it up to God. Yeah. He leads you step by step. And you can get there. You can change. Sure. Right? Sure. He, he, I think he does the gradual better than the, or more, more frequently than the mm. really shocking. But we, what you said reminded me of that litany of humility and that, that challenging closing line in that litany that says, God grant that others may be holier than I, provided I may be as holy as I should. Yes. That's, that's a, a tough litany. That's a, yeah, it it's is a, a tough, tough litany. litany. And that, yeah. But that final line just kind of gets to me because I'm like, does that mean I can't be as holy as the saints? Maybe if I was you know, granted some of these graces that some of the other saints would use, I'd, I'd actually misuse them. 
Right, but you're, you'll be as holy as you'll be given. You'll be as holy as the grace that you'll be provided. Yeah, Father Joseph, you're very holy. So later on in this camping trip, <laughs> <laughs> this young man and I were talking. He said, "He said I'd really like to get a spiritual director." And I said, that's, "That's awesome. You probably should. You know, you obviously you have deep faith." He's like, "Yeah, but I'm not going to pick you. You're not that holy." Aww. He says to me, "Well, and I'm like joking." No, he was serious. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> and it hurts, but you're Aww. right. Well, God knows. I mean, we don't like it, but these humiliations are good for us. They are. And it's a recognition that, you know, that maybe maybe others are called to a greater holiness. You know, I just have to live out my vocation in holiness in the way he wants me to live it. Right. That's, we are not supposed to compare ourselves to others. We're supposed to follow God's will for ourselves. Right. And so getting close to God will allow us all to learn his will for us and then hope, pray, we have the courage to actually live it. And that brings up a really good point too, that just God will give certain mystical gifts to some people and not to others. So some people will have powerful experiences of God and others will not. And that doesn't mean that God loves one more than the other. He just has different plans. Mm-hmm. Maybe one person needs those experiences more than the person that's going to be faithful every day. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Definitely. The other thing I've been taught is any kind of gifts like that also come with a lot of suffering. Mm. Yeah. They may look like, oh, that's so shiny and great, but it will also involve suffering for that person. So again, God calls us all to each, each of us to different vocations and missions and ways to evangelize, to help others, right? So we we shouldn't be. We try to bring us, everyone to heaven. Right. So we shouldn't be jealous, jealous of other people's experiences. When we should they have, not. Yeah. No. I remember there was, I was assigned with a priest who uh, had a near-death experience. He, he was on drugs and living a terrible, horrible life and uh, ended up trying to sell his blood to get some like 20 bucks to buy some more drugs. And this was well before he was a priest, obviously. And uh, I guess something went terribly wrong and he bled to death right there on the table. And he said he could see you know, his body as he's going oh, up wow. through the ceiling and everything. And he sees Jesus, he sees Mary. And, and uh, you know, he actually, at that time, he knew looking into the eyes of Christ that he was condemned to hell. And he was like totally at peace with it. He's like, this is God's justice. This is the truth. And then he said he saw Mary step before him and say, you know, Jesus, will you give him a second chance? And Jesus smiled and you know, he woke up in a, in a hospital bed. Hmm. And he's, he's now a priest of our diocese. And uh, he tells this story very oh, frequently. It's I've on. It's on YouTube. You know, it's a yes, great, great story. Father Jeff Couture. He, yeah. He's upfront about it. So, but when he was telling me this story, I thought to myself, "Man, that's cool. Like, I wish I had a near death experience. Like, I wish I saw Jesus and Mary. That'd be like awesome, right?" But then I was praying about that later on, and God said, "No, my grace for you was that you didn't have to go through all of that straying. Mm. My grace for you was that I preserved you from falling into the drugs and the sex and the you know horrible lifestyle. I preserved you from that. That was the grace." I was like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty cool grace, too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> like, Lord, I appreciate that because that's, that's a lot of suffering that's that, that he had to go life. through. life, yeah. Yeah. And rough for the whole family. Definitely. Definitely. But God brought good out of it. He's a great holy priest today. Thanks be to God. So, so if you're looking to experience God's love, be faithful. Pray even if you don't feel it because that's what faith really is, is acting as if it's all true, even if we don't necessarily have the experience. But nevertheless, as you are faithful, God will give you experiences, but stay attentive to the subtle ones, the the quiet ones, because God often loves to work in subtlety, and He will do whatever is necessary to bring you to the holiness that you're called for. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM. Tune in next time.